today on The Breakdown. There's five left in the 2018 million-dollar buy-in one-drop event at the World Series of Poker. And craziness ensues when Byron Caverman moves in. Fetterholtz calls. Rick Solomon moves in and then exposes a card. Man, we're going to get to that. And a whole lot of other interesting stuff that happened during the World Series, including Justin Bonomo's hot streak, Phil Helmuth's brattiness, and a whole lot more right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Yeah, so this is kind of like a combo show. We're going we're gonna to talk about a hand. That's what we're going to start with. But yeah. we promised you last week at the end of the podcast that this Monday, we, Jonathan was going to uh, have a Phil Helmuth rant, Yeah, which he, he claimed it's, he would do. It's and in there. He's been ready for a while. He's finally on my side. Yeah. Uh, he never was a big fan, but he was like, Grant's a little too harsh on Phil. I did think that. But now you see. Now you see the truth. Yeah. You understand the way that Grant understands. But first, let's talk about this hand that we're going to talk about. Yeah, this is... a. I mean, this is an interesting spot. Yeah, it's all pre-flop, but it's it's. There's a one thing that happens the the exposed card which you mentioned, which makes it very strange. Um, Correct. It is the one drop. There are five left. The one drop is much smaller than it was last time. I'm not exactly sure why. We were just talking about this. I don't know the reason. It's been four years since they did the million dollar one drop. That was not the businessman only one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last time they had more like a 48 player field, and this year it's 27 player field. Yeah. I don't know why. Do you? I don't. Uh, is it that it's at the end of the series? I don't think it used to be at the end of the series, so some people have left. It's a million-dollar buy-in. Like People yeah. will schedule around it. They would. You're totally yeah. right. Uh, I got nothing. I mean, Federholtz came out of retirement to play it, but not a lot of other people did. I mean, he comes out of retirement every two months. What's the big <laughs> deal? Oh, come on. Come on. Leave that guy alone. He's like a Vander Holyfield. Did he retire a lot? I don't remember. I, uh, maybe. He might have. It's possible. No one really knows. Um, yeah, so... The hand itself is relatively simplistic, but the decision that Federer has to make is the interesting part. Mm-hmm. So let's just run through it because Caverman's decision, Captain Caverman, of course, is Captain a- Caverman, as Hardigan likes to say. Yeah. Um, what a great spot, by the way, for these guys, Bonimo, Caverman, Holtz, that Rick Solomon is there five handed in the million dollar buy in. What That's a pretty good. What a deal. Because it's those guys, it's Dan Smith, who's yeah. really, really good, and Rick Solomon. Rick Solomon, right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, cool. We have one fish. And Rick Solomon had chips. Like, yeah. what, 40 blinds or something? Yeah, a little bit more. So we, we are at the 300, 600 level, 300K, 600K. Yep. And uh, Caverman, understandably, five-handed, moves in under the gun for $8 million with ace-five of clubs. Sure. Holtz calls with two tens. Also, sure. And then Solomon has ace-king of hearts in the big blind, and he has about the same as Fetter. He's got $27 million. Fetter's got a bit more. He's got him covered. Yeah. Uh, and Solomon moves in yep. with his ace-king of hearts, which Completely is completely reasonable. reasonable, of course. Yeah. And generally, Holtz is going to fold here. But we don't actually know how. Because it's hard to tell. But I've watched it more than once trying to figure this out. Somehow, Rick Solomon's ace of hearts was exposed. And it's not like Solomon's like, no, it wasn't. He, he admits it was exposed, and they show it. I almost, the way, because it's weird, because what happens is Jack Effel's there, right? Yeah. And he's, he, like, there's a discussion, a relatively quick discussion, and he's sort of saying, hey, now you have to turn that card over. And Rick Solomon turns it over. It's almost, I almost feel like Rick Solomon, like, 
and I didn't see this, so I'm making it up, but like lifted up his two cards so you could see the bottom one, like on purpose to show like Federer that he had the Ace of Hearts or something. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know how else his card could ever get exposed, you know, I, I without know. being on purpose. Yeah. He's played cards for a really long time. This never happens. Right. So as Federer, you're kind of worried about the Ranger against before the exposed card, right? Yeah. Like, it's usually just the better pair is an ace-king and sometimes ace-queen. Correct. Um, now that we see the ace, that helps. It's better than if a different card was exposed. For example, if Solomon exposed a jack, I think Fetter has to fold. Well, right, because now, I mean, we think... Solomon doesn't have queen-jack or ace-jack there. We don't think he has ace-jack almost he, ever. he's moving in for 45 blinds here over the top of an all-in and a call. It's not 45, it's 35. 27 million, right? Oh, no, it's no, 600,000. Oh, my gosh, it's 45 blinds. Yeah, you're right. No, he's not moving with ace-jack. So then it's like only jacks, and Federer has right. to fold tens. Yeah. So if you see a jack, if you see a queen, it's probably similar. I think, I mean, a queen means we can eliminate ace-king, right? He can, Maybe he can have ace-queen still. I think he can have ace-queen, but now we can eliminate ace-king completely. When we see the ace, well, now we can keep ace-king and ace-queen alive, I think. The ace is the one where you have to start consider calling with two tens. Yeah. Which is interesting. I guess yeah. if you saw the king, you could consider calling also, right? Although yeah, now the, we're down to kings, we're down to king. kings and ace king only. Because it's not king queen, yeah. Right. The ace is the one card that he can show uh, that's an over card that you can say, like, okay, now I can actually really consider calling here. Correct. Versus any of the other cards you have to be like, eh, it's probably a fold. It you know? sucks, but it's probably a fold. Yeah. Right. Um, of course, because the combos are different when it's a specific queen or a specific ace, right? It's not like you give all 16 combos no. because it's that specific card. Once we see the ace of hearts, uh, and I actually had a friend of mine correct me on this because I was getting the combos wrong because I was thinking of it as just an ace, like a random ace instead of the ace of hearts, which changes everything, especially especially for the unpaired cards. I mean, it cuts the, um, the pocket aces in half from six combos to three combos, yeah. but much more so it cuts down dramatically the king combos, the ace king combos and the ace queen combos. Yeah. So that's that's where everything really gets you know right into now. Play now there's only four combos of Ace King. Right. So if you don't think he's going to do it with um, Ace Queen at all, then you should probably fold. Well, yeah, you should fold for sure. Yeah, you should fold for sure. If you think he can do it with Ace Queen also, which let's just take a moment and talk about this. Let's say we're in this spot, okay? And like I know it's the million dollar thing, but let's pretend we're just in a tournament in this spot, okay? Let's not worry about the money. We're Rick Solomon. We've got a lot of money. We're not worried about the money, okay? Um, we also know we're not the best player at this table. We know we're the worst player at this table. Rick yeah. Solomon knows that, right? Sure. He's not, he's not fooling himself, I don't think, in this way. If we have ace-queen here, and we get 12 blinds shove, and then flat, and we're 45 blinds back, and so is Federer. Federer has almost the exact same amount of chips. We have a, I think we have a pretty easy shove with ace-queen as Rick Solomon. Not maybe as Bonomo. I don't know if Bonomo is going to do that, but Solomon... I think he's supposed to shove there, and I think he probably does. Also, he overvalues hands, as we know. Yeah. But forgetting about what he would do, like, do we think it's correct to do it? I think right, it probably so let's be, is. Let's be the most liberal with his range then and give him the ace-queens. Okay. Um, Helmuth was doing the commentary. He didn't think he had ace-queen. Right. But Helmuth is Helmuth. Helmuth has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And, and I mean, really, in these types of fields, he has no idea what anyone ever has or what they're doing. He might understand Rick Solomon, though. That's fair. Yeah. But I don't think he does when he's saying he can only have aces or ace-king here. Like, we've seen Rick Solomon play. I know he can have other things. <laughs> we think he can I have ace-king. I think. I think. We know he can have ace-king for sure. Of course he can have ace-king. Because he course. has it. Yeah. And of course he can have aces. Yeah. Right. So if it's just aces and ace-king, of course, four of the combos we're ahead of and three of the combos we are losing to 
by that math, we should call, but that's not really how it works because we lose a lot of the time against Ace-King also. Of course. So then we add in the four combos of Ace-Queen that are available. That changes the math a little bit. It's still not ideal. So I've actually run all these numbers on Poker Cruncher here, and so here's the numbers for Fetter against that range with his two black tens, and this is Aces, Ace-King with the Ace of Hearts and Ace-Queen with the Ace of Hearts. Fetter is a dog. He's 46.5% to 54.5%. Against even when we add the ace-queen in. Even when we have all the ace-queens possible that are in there. Now, if we pull ace-queen out, like Phil Homme is suggesting, and I mean, it's possible that that's correct, then Fetter becomes a bigger dog, not surprisingly. Now he's, uh, it's 59.5% to 40.5%. So now it's getting pretty bad. This so, is this is pretty bad. Like there's a there's a main pot which we don't necessarily know we're going to win. We have we have some equity in that, but we don't have a huge amount of equity because we got to beat Byron Coverman Ka- as well. Now we're like a clear dog against uh, Solomon, except for one thing, except the ace exposure. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the way this works mathematically because it is a bit confusing with the uh, side pot and the main pot. Okay. Because with the side pot, we've already called Caverman's all in. The side pot, which is Solomon's additional, I think it's 19 million. You're getting one to one on that 19 million because right. it's a side pot, and that's just against Solomon's hand. Right. Against the main pot, you are not. You're not getting the same price as you normally would be getting because that's a sunk cost at this point, and it's. I'm saying this it's, wrong. It's more than a sunk cost. Yeah. Right. You you explain. Yeah. Sure. Wrong. So so like the side pot, which is the only thing we're guaranteed to have clear equity, we can really sort of get a good sense of our equity, right? Um, and that's what we just did, right? We're like 54.5%, 59.5%, assuming that's an unintentional card exposure. Yeah. Then we can say with pretty, clear, pretty good clarity, it's going to be one of those two numbers. Um, we're getting one-to-one, and actually that's not good enough. Now, the main pot, we do have some equity in, but we've got to be Caverman as well. So we can't, say, we can't just act like that's part of the pot. We can, we can try and guesstimate how much equity we have. It's really hard to do three ways. You could reasonably say it's something like 30% sure. of that, but it's a little bit hard to know because if, um, if, if Solomon has aces, it's real bad. Caverman could also have us, you know, Caverman could have two jacks. If, you give us, if we <laughs> give Fetter a quarter of the equity for the main pot, yeah, three ways. which is fine. Which is fine. Let's give him a quarter. He that's, certainly has that. That's still a significant amount of chips, though, because there's $24 million in the main that's pot. That's true. So there's, yeah, that's a fair point. There's $6 million on top of the $19 million that's been shoved. And then that gets us back to a reasonable equity for winning the side pot, actually, yeah. if that little extra there. So that, that so it makes it close. It's pretty interesting. Right. And there's a couple other factors involved here. Yeah. Um, we'll get to the one that you were teasing last, I think, because that's the most interesting one. Okay. First, I believe that when we see the ace, we can actually be a little bit happy about that because Caverman's range is going to include a lot of aces. Yes. Like, that's the most common card in his range. Yes. So that's good. That means if it's not aces, my opponents are blocking each other a lot of the time. A fair amount of the time. So that, that's definitely a nice thing. Yes. And we're very happy about that. We do like that. Yeah. Um, that is very nice and sweet. The, the next thing is that you were teasing is, does Solomon expose intentionally? So if Solomon exposes intentionally, just the ace of hearts, He's almost never going to have pocket aces, right? Right. We can give him like half a combo of pocket aces, maybe. And let's talk about why. So psychologically, if he has, why would he show us anything if he has aces? Yeah. 
that's not something he would ever want to show us, right? Right. If if he wants us to fold, if he's showing and if he's showing cards because he wants us to fold, he'd show us both his cards. Yeah. He's already exposing one anyway. If he's doing this on purpose, he'd show us both, so we fold. Right. If he doesn't care, if, if he doesn't want us to fold, if he has pocket aces, he does not want us to fold. Why would he ever show us an ace? That's not a card that's going to get us to call very often, in theory, right? He doesn't know what we have. Right. But like, if we have ace queen, we're going to fold ace queen there, of course. And a lot of our other hands, too. Like, we have two sevens, which we could really have. We're going to fold two sevens when he shows an ace. Now, we're going to fold two sevens anyway in ace queen anyway, yeah. so maybe it doesn't matter. But if he's trying, but if he's showing this card specifically to get us to fold, which is why he's showing this card, if he's doing it on purpose. If, right? it, if it's intentional, which we right. don't know. Because he has ace king, by the way. So yeah. if, if it's intentional, he's showing the ace so we fold. But he's just not going to do that with aces. He's Rick Solomon. He, the money's not a huge deal to him. Right. He's trying to win this tournament. There's no way he's trying to let us off the hook when he's got aces here. There's no chance. All right. So to boil down what you're saying, if we know for sure, or we have a strong inclination that Rick Solomon is intentionally exposing the ace. Yes. Which we don't know how he did it. We, we still, as viewers, <laughs> we don't really understand how the We don't ace know was what exposed. happened. Then we should call because Solomon is far more weighted to ace-king and ace-queen than aces. Right. If, if he ever has aces at all. He may have zero combos of aces. Now, maybe after doing this once, now maybe he'll have them again. But at this time, if he's never done this and never in this situation, he has zero combos of aces. I if think. it was unintentional, then we'd throw that all out the window. Now we're back to the same problem we had before, and I think we're supposed to fold two tens. I don't know if I agree anymore after thinking about it more. If we have six million chip equity in the main pot yeah. that we can only realize by calling, Correct. obviously. Um, Caverman... The most common card in his hand is an ace, meaning that against the ace-king and ace-queen, we actually have a lot more equity than we would normally have. Okay. Uh, like, we, even if we don't give Kevin an ace every time, we give it him an ace not. like 30% of the time or something? Um, I don't know. We'd have to run it, but something like that. I mean, that, that, in, that increases our equity a lot. Against, it helps. Yeah. So those two factors, along with the ability to get a double knockout here, if we're right, like if the math is close, maybe we're supposed to do it. I mean, I think we got to be a little careful. I know you're just saying 30%, so you're not overdoing it. But yeah. just, I saw this a lot on Twitter and things where people were sort of saying, well, Fetter knows Caverman has an ace. Well, and no, like, he doesn't know He's that. got almost all pocket pairs, maybe all pocket pairs. He's got king-queen. He's got two big Broadway. He's got suited Broadway. He probably has 9-10 suited. He's all these things. You know, we're, he's got 12 blinds, and we're five-handed here at the one drop. Yeah. Like, he's shoving his entire range that he's playing. Right. He knows he has to do that. He can't get cute against these guys. These guys are, gonna, these guys are too good. Right. I mean, yeah. But of course, he does have any suited ace in a lot of the of unsuited aces. No question. He's got like ace nine plus, I think. Any suit. suited plus. And, and, any two, and any suited ace, I think, in the deck. And, you know, but, but he also has all the pocket pairs and I think a lot of Broadway combos, maybe all the Broadway combos even. Probably all the Broadway combos and some other suited connector combos. Most of his pocket pairs, though, means that our equity in the main pot is more than six million. That's a good point. That's true. We don't hate that. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point. And also, sometimes he's got the same hand as Rick Solomon, which is really good for us, but whatever. We're just making things up. Yeah. Like, he has a range. Some of his range blocks Solomon. Some of his range doesn't. Okay. Some of his range has us in, you know, drawing almost dead to the main pot, though, too. I mean, it goes both ways. So, unimpeded by subjective assumptions and any thoughts of the main pot. Okay. From a chippy V perspective, we're supposed to fold against Rick Solomon. Right. Because we're getting one-to-one. Yes. But if we give ourselves six million chip equity in the main pot, that's kind of huge. Well, if Rick Solomon only has ace-king and aces, it's still not enough. Correct, but if he has ace-queen also... Now it's enough. Now it's enough. I mean, that's how close it is. Yeah. Then, if we have on top of that... Yes. If we don't even think about the exposed card, but, all, but also think about Caverman's range blocking a lot of 
Solomon's aces, maybe that gets us there for the ace king. Maybe aces. if we think um, there's a reasonable chance, even that Solomon intentionally exposed the ace, maybe that gets us there. Here's the other side of it, though, which is important. At least take a moment and talk about. Uh, you can make the case that Federer makes this call as a way to try and win the tournament, and that's fair, right? And in fact, he does make the call ultimately yeah. and ends up winning the hand, which I don't think is a big surprise to anyone who's listening to this, and doesn't win but finishes second and has all the chips for a while, like has a real good chance to win the tournament. That's pretty great. At the same point, he's Federer Holtz, and he still is going to have like 33 blinds if he folds. And, you know, there's a very reasonable chance, even though Bonomo's here and is having the greatest year anyone's ever had, Federer Holtz may still be the best player in the world and maybe the best player at but the table. But he's also got 120 million or 120 blinds if he calls and wins. Well, he can call. That's if he wins against both hands. If he calls yeah. and wins just against uh, Solomon, he has he has some. I mean, it's really good, but it's also not. I mean, he has how many does he have now? He's got like thirty-eight million or something. If he folds, no, no, no. If he calls and beats Solomon but loses to Caverman, oh, calls which is going to happen. Yeah, a fair like amount. thirty-eight million ish. Which so that's good because we started with like twenty-seven million, yeah. right? But we're only profiting now eleven million, and every time we lose, we're Every time we lose to Solomon, I should say, not to Cameron, we're, um, you know, we're out so of the what tournament. Is, what is uh, Federer's chip equity uh, with the numbers that we ran in this pot? Like, how many chips is he supposed to get out of this pot if he makes the call? Right. Is it plus? Well, I mean, if we're assuming we don't know about the card exposure. Yeah. Then it comes down to, is Solomon, does Solomon have ace-queen or not? That's the that's the way that's the only way to determine. If Solomon has ace queen, then I think we're then I think we're positive. If Solomon doesn't have ace queen, I think we're negative. If Solomon has ace queen, Solomon has fifty four percent against us, right? Fifty four and a half, yeah. So we get forty six percent of the thirty eight million. Okay, yeah. Which comes out to about nineteen million. Oh no, a little no, less. Sorry, like seventeen, 17 and five. And a half, yeah, seventeen five plus the six million from the yeah. main pot. Twenty three and a half, which so, is less than we started with. Yeah, right? that's minus. Although we've already made the call, though. So it's how many chips do we have now? We still only have like, oh, right. have like nineteen million in front of us. Right, that's right. So that's the reason it the is call. Plus. It so is we go plus, plus four and a half yeah. million to make the call. Um, but every time we lose, we don't get a chance to win the one drop anymore. True, which is a big deal. I think it's a call. I actually think it's a call. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially considering the exposure is kind of weird and it feels like maybe intentional. That part might put... As soon as we think it might be intentional, I think it's a call. It's a super weird, fun spot. It is super weird. Super, super weird. Is it possible Federer actually doesn't think he's so much better than everyone else and he's like, I kind of have to make this call because I'm not better than Justin and Dan Smith is as good as I am or better than me these days because they play all the time and I don't? Maybe. Maybe he thinks that and then he's like, you know what? Let's go. Like, I need to go here. You know? Yeah, maybe. Caverman is amazing, too, by the way. Caverman is really, really, really good. Like, all these guys play all the time except for me and Rick Solomon, and I'm better than Rick Solomon, but maybe I'm the, maybe I'm the fourth best player at this table nowadays. That'd I don't know if he thinks that or not, but if he thinks that, that's another reason to call. That is like, definitely. Let's amazing. gamble it up a little yeah. bit. Let's go. Along with that, it is a tournament, and all the money's up top, especially because it's a 27-player right. field. It's like we haven't gotten to the big money jumps yet, really, when we're at five. No, no, no. Like, they finally, they're finally in the money. The fifth place is $2 million, First place is $10 million. Yeah. Second place is six million. Right, so, so that's all a the money's up top. That's a reason to make the call. Yep, we have a much better chance to win the tournament if we make this call overall. No question, no question. And if we think we're below average player skill at this table now, or below median player yeah. skill, I should say, then that's another reason to make the call if it's close at all. Right, yeah. You're just like let's gamble, let's go. Well, he calls and he wins. And he, it's even he spikes a, a ten on the river because yeah. Solomon actually. By the way, bottom of folds. There's only five players in this hand. It's 
Ace five suited. Bottom of is next. He folds king queen. Yeah. Pocket tens for Fetter. Dan Smith has ace two suited. And then it's ace king. There's only three aces and kings left total for Rick Solomon. He flops two of them. Yeah, it's an ace, it's an ace king low flop. And then the turn is the queen of clubs. Right. Bringing... Which brings a second club. So Caverman's got the nut flush draw. Uh, Fetter's got the gut shot and, and the tens. And Solomon's got top two and is in great shape. He's like rivers, 70% to win the whole thing. The river is an offsuit, ja- or offsuit 10. 10 of diamonds. And uh, Fetter wins. Just like that, it's over. And those two guys are out. Crown Up guy has all the chips. Suddenly, or him and Bonmo have all the chips, but I think he's got the most. And, uh, oh, he's got the most by a lot. Bonmo had $50 million at the time. Oh, he did. Yeah. So in that pot was like $64 million. Yeah. And then, and then Dan Smith was eliminated not too much later, I don't think. Yeah. And then for a while, yeah, Fetter had, was like, really looked like he was going to beat Justin, and then Justin bottomed his way to uh, victory bottomed his way he sure did yeah so that was that's a weird decision man i don't know how you're supposed to figure that all out in the moment who fetter took like three or four minutes and put the call in i think a lot of it's got to come down to if he thought there was a chance that was an intentional exposure as soon as you think it's intentional you're like all right yeah i think it's a call in general it's just a but it's a very close spot yep it's a very very close spot and it's never a call if no card is exposed i think he's folding all the time i agree yeah I agree. So if it was an intentional exposure, it was a real mess up by Rick Solomon because he would have beat Caverman. Yeah. I don't know that it would be intentional. I don't know. I mean, the other thing is when you have ace-king suited, like you think you often have the best hand, by the way. Like you really can have the best hand. And most of the things Fetter's going to... Fetter's usually has a very clear decision in these spots either way, right? Either he's like definitely calling or definitely folding once he flats yeah. when you move in for this much more, you know? Yeah. And he has one of the few hands he actually has to really think about. Like it's like tens jacks maybe nines nines is a little tougher uh i think queens he's probably going with yeah he's definitely going with queens and that's it yeah well fetter gets to get second place but of course justin bonomo gets first obviously justin bonomo is gonna win hey a place where you can get first place if you play well or are lucky just have to run good is nitrogen sports poker room and of course if you use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for nitrogen you get access to the exclusive Gold standard poker guys monthly tournaments. They're the finest tournaments in the world. Jonathan. The finest. I mean it. Do you? Yeah. Continue with oh. your. Well, I'm going to say more about thoughts. that. <laughs> yeah, they are not only fine, the finest. They're highly rated. Moody's gives them triple A rating. That's for, not true. For oh, thank you for expo- exposing that. Anyway, so it's an awesome tournament in that it costs you a tenth of a millibit to play, which is these days like seventy five cents, and uh, they guarantee a hundred millibits which is, you know, a thousand times the buy-in. It's pretty good. These days, about $750. But we usually get like 70 players, which means, you know, you're getting like 14 times the value of your money for every buy-in. It's unbelievable. Also, the poker guys play. Get your chance to get beaten by the poker guys. Yeah, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, you, you get, get to tell, story. You, you tell your significant other, man, Grant really just destroyed me today. He owned me. Jonathan just crushed my soul again. Yeah, <laughs> but it felt good. What an experience. If you have to lose, that's what, it's like, you know, okay, Michael Jordan beat me in one-on-one. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you're LeVar Ball, though. Well, apparently, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Nitrogen Sports Poker, the gold standard of, of poker, plus some more gold. Now, now, you do have to use the link in the description when you sign up to have access to this tournament, I of course. I told them. I'm just reminding them. Also, it's a Bitcoin-only poker site that also has sports betting. It's got casino games. It's got the whole enchilada. And because it's Bitcoin-only, you get your uh, money in and out really fast. Withdrawals take like an hour and a half. Deposits take like no time at all. 
And they don't charge you for withdrawals if you do it once a week. Any more than that, they charge you 75 cents, a tenth of a millibit. It's like it's nothing. Made me want some Mexican cuisine when you spoke of enchiladas there. That's a strange expression, by the way, the whole enchilada. There's, it probably comes from somewhere. Yeah. Everything Mexico. comes from something. <laughs> Mexican, a Mexican restaurant, perhaps. I don't know. But couldn't you go for like a really good enchilada? I'm not a big enchilada guy. What about a really good taco? Yeah, I'm always a taco guy. Everyone's a taco guy. Yeah. Who doesn't like tacos? That's like hating pizza or ice cream. We eat a decent amount of tamales, actually. Every, before, yeah. before we go film our poker time sessions, we often stop at a particular Mexican restaurant that specializes in tamales, and it's quite good. It is quite good, although tacos, tacos have a special place in mine, I think in everyone's hearts. If I could just eat pizza, tacos, and ice cream for the rest of my life, and you'd be really healthy, I'd be super happy with that. That sounds nice. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> I want it. Taco time. <laughs> Sounds anyway, good. let's talk more about the World Series. This is kind of along with talking about that hand. We're kind of wrapping up the World Series for us this year in our uh, ethereal conversations about it. We'll, we'll probably still do some more hands from the 2018 World Series as podcast hands. Mm-hmm. But we want to we talk about a few more things, um, including the promised Phil Helmuth rant from Jonathan. Okay. So here we go. So I think everyone knows what happened at the World Series main event. It was day 2C, but I'm going to give a quick recap because it's important to understand the event which led to my fury. Okay. Okay. So here we go. It's m- the middle of the day or so. We're on the feature table. How many has a pair of sevens? Uh, oh, the flop is a 10-4-3 with two diamonds. We don't get to see the pre-flop action, but basically a guy with king deuce suited raised. How many called with two sevens in position and the big blind called with ace nine diamonds? Um, and it's king deuce of diamonds also. So it's 10-4-3 with two diamonds. So they're not flusher on the second, not flusher out there. How many just has... Um, an underpair to the yeah. 10. The guy who had originally raised Alex Kuzmin with the King Deuce of Diamonds continues. He bets 3,000 into this pot. How many inexplicably raises to 6,000, but whatever. Sure. We're He's not, like protecting. This isn't, this isn't to talk about poker Who anyway. cares? Yeah. We don't care. He raises 6,000. The guy in the big blind um, goes all in for 26,000. He's got the nut flush draw, the ace, nine of diamonds. Totally reasonable. Kuzman with the King Deuce of Diamonds is in a bit of an interesting spot, Right. He's got the second nut flush draw. He, does, he has one over card. Helmuth raised and the other guy shoved. It's not an easy spot at all right here. And it's, and it's a lot. It's 23,000 more. It's not it's like usually, nothing. It's usually a fold. Actually. It's probably a fold. Yeah. Now, before he gets to do anything, Helmuth starts swearing and complaining. Um, he says some version of, you know, M, a mother effer. I'm going to try not to yeah. swear here. He gets away with murder all day against me. How the F does this happen? And he, and he says this a fair amount. Um, Why is he so upset, by the way? I have no idea. People are just playing poker. I have no idea at all why he's upset. He's the one who didn't deserve to be putting chips in, in the pot of yeah. any of these three guys. Although, whatever, he's supposed to call the flop. Uh, so he does this for a while. Eventually quiets down. I mean, he does this for like 35 seconds, but that's a long time. While the guy with King Deuce suited is waiting to act and like and, observing this. And by the way, sitting right next to him, Phil is not like even saying it quietly. He's saying it very loudly. Very, it's, any, everyone can hear this. Like, so he's clearly affecting action. Eventually, the guy with King Deuce suited calls. Phil folds, complains some more. Now, in theory, this seems he's actually sort of put the nut flush draw in a pretty good spot, right? Yeah. However, a deuce rolls off on the turn. The guy with king deuce ends up holding once he hits the deuce on the turn and knocks the guy with ace nine of diamonds out. Yeah. So, oh, the other thing is, this is the damn feature table. There's a floor standing there the whole time. He never stops Phil, and he never penalizes Phil, even after the hand is over. Nothing. You, you shouldn't even speak to your opponent this way in a heads-up pot just out of 
courtesy and etiquette, but in a three-way pot, you are absolutely affecting action. I mean, if you have king, deuce of diamonds, and Phil is quiet, I think you fold, right? Yeah. So, and then Phil's going to fold, too. And then this guy with ace, nine of diamonds is going to pick up some chips. He's going to pick up 9,000 extra chips plus whatever was already in the pot and continue on his day. We're on day two of the main event. This is a big deal. Yeah. Instead, he's out because Phil... The word isn't really cheated is not exactly the right word, although he's doing he's against the rules here because he's not really it doesn't even benefit him. No, but he's affecting action and he knows it's not OK. To His do it. childish behavior affected somebody else's outcome. Let's let's be clear. Phil's been doing this forever. It's yeah. not like he's an amateur. If Darwin Moon did this, I think you give him a penalty and you explain why this is bad. Phil Hummuth knows why this is bad. Yeah. And to be clear, the poker world came out strongly against him. Ike Haxton tweeted, every time I play with Phil Hummuth, he talks about his hands in multi-way pots, acts out of turn, or talks about what he folded while a hand is still in progress. Players need to step up, call the floor, demand penalties every time. TDs need to give those penalties. Agreed. Like, very strong. Justin Bonomo, who we were just talking about, says, this is for day three now. He, come, he had tweeted, so the day's already over. He says, please consider giving Phil Hummuth a retroactive penalty today. He didn't like Camby and gave away the weakness of his hand to allow Kuzman to call his all-in lighter than normal. This behavior is far beyond what is acceptable, and he's gotten enough warnings. Um, other people came in as well. I think Sean Deeb, um, basically, oh, because Phil then later on tweeted something, not really an apology, actually, um, and said, basically, he was going to call if the other guy didn't. Which and then is sh- complete BS. Right, Sean B- Deeb said, there's no chance. You do this all the time. You always fall. I've seen you do it a million times. So, um, so first of all, let's be clear. So this guy, just, this guy made it to the middle of day two, still had chips, was going to have a fair amount more. It was going to be a big chip up for him, actually. He moves yeah. in for 26,000. There's something like 12,000 in the pot. So he's going like, to pick up a lot of chips here. Yeah. said he's out. This is a $10,000 buy-in, and this is not a pro. This guy's a firefighter, like a part-time firefighter or something like that. So, so there was a huge firestorm about this. And finally, Phil tweeted this the next day. And he tweeted to the guy, by the way, who had, who had tweeted basically saying, you know, he was disappointed and felt like he still would have been in and all that, which is correct, of course. So Phil tweets... I lost some sleep over my outburst. I believe you lose the hand anyway, but maybe I am wrong. You handled yourself well and played well. As a gesture of goodwill, because I respect policemen and firefighters, I'm going to buy you into the 2019 $10,000 main event. Okay. So I got a lot of problems with this. Okay. First of all, one of the, the biggest problem I have is actually with the poker community, which welcomed this and went on and on to say how classy this was by Phil. And oh, yeah, as if this makes up for what he did, which it does not at all. No. Are you buying him to day two of the, of the main event? Because this guy made it to day two. Like, a quarter of the field doesn't make it to day two. This guy's got to get... It isn't like... You're, you're just starting him off at the beginning again. That's completely different. It is. So I got a real problem with that. Number two, I got a real problem with what he wrote. Because I respect policemen and firefighters... Like, so if this guy was a butcher, he wasn't going to do it? What are you talking... Like, first of all, of course he was going to do it anyway, right? Yeah. This is just a weird, translucent... PR play, which just disgusts me. I can't believe he didn't get crushed on Twitter for this, but he didn't. Everyone was just like, oh, you're so classy. Oh, this is really good. You totally made up for it. You didn't make up for it. This guy's now got to, by the way, if he just came out for the main event, if he's just coming out next year, he's got to pay travel. He's got to put himself up. He's got to pay food. He's got to, like, there's other expenses. This guy's an amateur. He's not already going to, maybe he's going to be there anyway. I have no idea. But like, if he wasn't planning on being there, 
he has to pay all these extra things, which would maybe this was going to happen anyway. Maybe he's out later anyway in the day, of course. But also, maybe he's the main event champion right now. We have no idea what was going to happen. Yeah, that's an unlikely outcome, he but has, it was still in the realm of possibilities. Right, but, but he certainly could make the money, right? Yeah. He certainly could make a lot of money. But, like, I don't know. I'm just deeply, deeply put off by Phil, like, intentionally basically trying to get this guy busted, which is what he's trying to do when he starts complaining there, right? Yeah. And that is so wrong and off and like deeply disturbing to me that this would be allowed to happen and that the world series would allow this to happen is shocking to me, honestly. And I'm sort of like harking back to when Negreanu would sometimes talk yeah. in multi-way pots and then um, Justin Schwartz. Schwartz talked in Daniel's multi-way pot and they let him do it until the players, Max Steinberg finally spoke up. Well, but Schwartz like, was like way more egregious. Oh, what Schwartz did was the worst of all. Yeah. But, the floor also didn't say anything then. Is the floor just not there? Is the floor just not standing know. there? The whole thing just seems absurd to me that this could happen so continuously. And, and what, it, what I believe is the World Series, like this is, of course, about Phil, but this is actually also about the World Series allowing players who are famous to get away with stuff on TV. Yeah. And it's not okay. And this is a really important, this is the most important tournament in the world every year. And like I put up ten thousand dollars of my own money. I didn't satellite in. I paid ten thousand dollars. Yeah, to play me it. too. Right. And like I wanted to have full integrity. And we're paying. They're taking a rake. They're taking like six hundred dollars out of my ten thousand. And out of all of our ten thousand dollars to charge for this event, they're supposed to be perfect integrity in this event. Like that's part of the contract. And they are totally blowing it. Yeah, but that's not what you're mad about, right? I well, I'm mad about now. I'm mad about that too. I got caught up in that. I'm really mad about Phil doing this. Like, this is disgusting behavior. This is the straw that broke the camel's back for you, because obviously, it's not like when you were defending him when I would go on my Phil Helmuth rants that you were like a pro Phil Helmuth guy. You just thought that I was a little bit too hard on. I him. thought you were too hard. Yeah, and now it's hard for me not to see him through this lens of either I care so little about everyone else and only myself. I can't even think about what kind of consequences my actions have, which is probably what's really going on with him. Yeah. Thinking about, um, oh, it was also in the main event when he brought his books and he just stacked them up on the table so the guy in the nine seat had less room and couldn't really see him and stuff like that because he was signing them. Yeah. And everyone was also writing about how classy that was when, first of all, it's totally a PR move to sell books and to make him look good and also is really just not considerate of the guy in the nine seat. Like, there's, those tables aren't big anyway. Like, you're supposed to have enough room, and Phil's, like, taking away your space. He could keep the books on the floor. It wouldn't matter. Or bring a second chair up. But no, he wants to make sure everyone sees it, and that's all he's thinking about and cares about. It's really freaking lame. Like, yeah, I now, I now have gone from sort of, like, being annoyed at him and, like, rolling my eyes to actively disliking him. Like, I strongly dislike him. Now. Yeah, I've always seen it through this lens, which is why I've always kind of hated him. Yeah. And the way I've always seen it is that this is not all just antics for the camera. He's not just doing this as a brand. He's actually this bad person who treats people like garbage. Yeah. And now I think this one incident, like, shone a light on that for you in a way that it hadn't been shown before, and now we're on the same page. To be clear, I don't hate him. I, I want to say really clearly, I don't have hatred in my heart for Phil Helmuth. I don't have hatred in my heart, maybe for anybody. Hey, okay, I might be That's over, a strong word. I might be overusing the word hate, but I... Yeah. Strong, but I strongly dislike. Of, of all people that I've never met that aren't like known dictator terrorist type people, I think Phil Helmuth is very near the top of the list of people I haven't met that I, I dislike. I don't even know if I could go that far, but he is. But he's one of the 
I don't dislike that many people. I strongly dislike him. Yeah. Strongly. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page, and now we can read about them together. You're so happy. <laughs> I've never... That guy just has I, um, always I, irked me. Always. I texted you when, this, when, the, when Phil tweeted about this. And I, you didn't even... Had, you were, I think, already home or I something. I was on like an that. airplane, actually. Yeah. So you didn't know about any of this that had even happened. I just wrote F... I didn't say F... Phil Helmuth, and you're like, what's... And I, you didn't respond, and I saw you write something like, fighter fighters and police, are you kidding me? Something like that. And you're like, what happened? What happened? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the dark here. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, beyond that, what's, this is just more typical Phil Helmuth stuff that probably wouldn't have moved the needle for you, but now you're right. seeing it in this new light. He was doing the commentary for the one drop and just blatantly saying that Federer and Justin Bonomo aren't really that good, and they're just very lucky. Yes. And just like... But all, kind of licking his wounds... In a way, like saying to the poker community, I'm, I'm definitely better than these guys. They're oh, yeah. Super lucky, you know? Absolutely. And, and that's just typical Phil Hummuth bullshit, but he continues to do it. I mean, I think him and probably a lot of the old school players still think they're the best in the world. Who you else know? thinks they're the best in the world? I don't know. Does Johnny Chan think that? No, I doubt it. I have no idea. Maybe it's, he does. It's possible. He doesn't talk about it like No, Phil I mean, no, who else talks about it that way out loud? Nobody. Negreanu admits he's not. Right. Well, yeah. Negreanu was different. Negreanu worked hard to try and get yeah. better, too. And was the number one GPI player one year, wasn't he? Yeah, 2015 or something. Something like that. I yeah. mean, that's incredibly impressive for yeah. an old school player to do that. Um, but he's like the only one, right? The only old school player who's really, that we know of anyway. I guess Phil Ivey maybe, too. Yeah. Um, or it seemed like they really changed their game dramatically. Like Phil Hummy is still trying to play the same game. He's been raising sevens on the 10-deuce four board for that's no said, reason. He did win his 15th bracelet this year. He did, and doesn't that just piss you off <laughs> doesn't that just suck just, he won the bracelet like four days after this incident happened too which is sort of like the worst of all yeah like come on during the main event final table i think it was yeah. or when they were 10 handed so annoying yeah all right so hey we're we're uh, on the phil dislike train it's yes. fun but let's let's talk about one more thing okay. before we conclude the podcast, and, that, and that's the insane year Justin Bonomo has been having, and tying it into the World Series because he just won the one drop for ten million dollars. Yeah, which is a small prize for the one drop, but it's because it's a smaller field. Still pretty good. The the run is absurd. It's it's absurd. Here's here's how absurd the run is. This year alone, I think he's made more money in his career, if you just counted this year, than all but nine players in the history of poker. Like total, total, their total career, yeah. right? Just just from January till now. By the way, I think in December he also won like like a million dollars, but that is we're not even counting that. Yeah, um, he's up. I think twenty six million on the year so far, which would be meaning it's like he's cash for one hundred twenty five thousand dollars every single day of the year. And yeah, we're recording this in the middle of July right yeah. now. This is probably coming out early August. So at this point, he's still got five months left. Yeah, like. I would expect him to put up a few more, maybe not wins. It's so hard to win these things, even though they're small fields, but some more big results is likely, right? He's probably playing better than anyone else, I, w- I would guess, since he's just been this good. We actually have a poker science, which is coming out. It may have already come out by now by our uh, good friend Colin G. West, uh, where he's talking about how much of this is luck and how much of this is skill and trying to use math to figure that out. So It's tough to know, man. I know. He's doing his best, but I don't know how to quantify this. It's just- I don't either. Like, it's hard to know. Of course, over the years, every good player is trying to improve and stuff. But, like, is Justin Bonomo doing one thing in particular that's different recently that he didn't used to do? Or is it just variance over time? Like, he's always been one of the 25 best players. And Federholtz is one of those guys. And when Dan Coleman was playing more, he was one of those guys. And they just happen to have these streaks. And they're all kind of, like, equal. Is that what's going on? Or is he doing something different? I mean, it could be as simple as they're very close. Bonwell figured something out like like eight months ago, like one adjustment. 
which, nobody else has figured out which yet. Which no one else has figured out, and he's doing, which he gets to do six times a day or something like that. So it doesn't have to be that often, but six times he gets to either win a bigger pot than he's supposed to or win a pot he's not supposed to win. That's huge, right? Yeah. If he can win six extra pots. And if he's also running good in that time, that may be enough to have this kind of a year. Is and running like, good enough by itself? Is it possible he didn't figure anything out? I think it is possible. I think so, too. Like, let's not forget, the one drop is $10 million worth of win, right? Yeah. So, like, he was already having an unbelievable year, but now the year is absurd. But it's also because he's playing these small... And there are only 27 players in this field, right? Like, someone good is going to win this field. And, like, Bonham has a reason... is like, what percentage chance does Bonham have to win before we start? Forgetting... Let's, let's assume he's similar in skill to Dan Smith and Federholtz right. and the other very like, top guys. Like he's like 4%. 6% or something, yeah. right? To win anyway. Well, if you include the skill, I thought, oh, if he's, if he's similar to those guys, but right. not the whole field. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. there's still some, like, Heraldus yeah. is playing, and yeah. Bill Perkins is probably playing. I mean, obviously, Heraldus is better than Bill Perkins, but you see my point. Yeah. Heraldus obviously not at these guys' level, of course. Yeah, um, but not all of his wins have come in high rollers, right? Like, I think he did well in some bigger fields, too. I, no, he, he can play in big fields, certainly, as well. But most of his most of this money is in high roller stuff, right? Almost all of it is. Yeah. Of course, that's how you do it. That's that's how Federer did it too. It's the only way. Dan Coleman too. It's like the only way to really do it. Yeah. You know, I'm waiting for the guy who wins the main event and also wins like the one drop. That's going to blow our minds. That's going to be tough to do. Well, I mean, if you win the main event and you're really good, winning the one drop isn't so hard, right? You just have to like if Joe Cata won the main event and bought himself into the one drop and there's only 28 players, you'd have a shot. Yeah. He's definitely a dog to to bottom on players like that. Of course, but. Yeah. Still just poker. Yeah. Joe Cata had a nice summer. Yeah. Not, not a, player of the year, by the way. No, who, who was? Sean Deeb. Well, it's not over yet because of Europe. But yeah. Sean Deeb is currently actually significantly in the lead. Well, he won the 10K 6 max for, and he won the PLO 10K. He also had something like 17 caches, I think. That's pretty good. Yeah. Second, I think, only to Chris Ferguson. Ugh. Yeah. Talk about yeah. a guy to dislike. Yeah. He's good at poker, though. Yeah. He really is. Unlike Phil Helmuth, he's actually good at poker. Phil Helmuth has 15 bracelets. Yep. He's doing something, right? He, won, he just won another one. I haven't won a bracelet. I don't know what he's doing, right? Because when you watch him, you're like, he just min-raised sevens. What, how is that good? I can come up with ways to justify a play like min-raising sevens there, by the way. I can come up with ways to do that. Yeah, you could, you could come up with I ways. I can come up with ways. Um, that, like if Federholtz was doing that, I could certainly come up with ways to say, well, here's, here's all the good things about that that come from that. There's lots of good things that come from that, you know? Um, that said, I mean, it's hard to find Phil Hummuth making plays that I often feel like are really good. And, you know, he would argue he's just doing it differently and he's got his own thing. And maybe that's true, but I don't yeah. think so. Well, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I hope he doesn't win any more bracelets because I don't like him. Yeah, me too. All right, let's let's be done and rant to ourselves. And all I need is one mic, and I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.